Hello and welcome back to the Formation Podcast for another episode. We record this following the first weekend of the new EFL season. And it has to be said, there were several very entertaining games, as expected in the EFL. And we look forward to following that over the coming weeks. But this week, we are back to preview the new Premier League season, which kicks off a week later. That starts this coming Friday with Brentford against Arsenal. Um, But yeah, we're going to cover all the teams in that division and talk about who we fancy to win the league. Kind of similar to how we did it last week with the three EFL divisions. But before we do that, um, Sam, how did you find the weekend, the opener? I know you watched the Fulham game. What did you make of that one? Uh, Good. Uh, It took a while to get going. I think it it burst into life towards the end once Millersborough got into the game a bit more. But as a whole, it's typical championship really a lot of surprise results all the three relegated teams drop points so again we're in for another season of shocks and surprises and and a lot of brilliant games as we always get in the championship so looking forward to what the season brings us yeah absolutely and Devon I know your team Sheffield Wednesday were on TV as well that one maybe wasn't the most entertaining of the televised games but are you satisfied enough with the start you made I think you've got to be. Um, Charlton are going to be a very good side that are going to be up there, uh, especially under Nigel Adkins. You know how um, he knows how to set up a team. And I thought we dealt with them quite well. You could tell, as I said last week on the EFL one, when we previewed League One uh, and talked about Sheffield Wednesday, it was about how we'd uh, sort of gel. And you could tell that uh, in spells, it looked like, wow, we actually look okay. But you could tell that there's a, there's, they're just not there yet. And I think Darren Moore needs uh, around about five or six games just to get used to it and to find out what his best 11 is. Um, and um, yeah, I'm just happy to have it back. It was good to see Wednesday actually with a better style and a lot of the deadwood gone. Um, and it felt like a fresh start, especially with, with fans being back as well. Yeah, absolutely. That really did make a difference. And I think we've all watched far too much behind closed doors football and it's it's so refreshing particularly in that Coventry Forest game yesterday afternoon on Sunday and Harry that leads me nicely on to um, introducing yourself and do you you were speaking before we started recording do you want to share your little story about that Coventry Forest game um absolutely not but what I can say is I, I, I got onto the TV. I, I saw it was 1-1. I missed, I missed the first goal. Uh, then we switched over with a couple of minutes ago because one of my mum's programmes came on and we missed a 96-minute winner. So that was upsetting. But, oh, well. Absolutely. It, 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 was, it was a very good finish to that game, I have to say. that Those Coventry fans, I think it meant probably more to them than any other um club in the EFL because they were back at the Rico or not the Rico anymore it's called I, I don't have the name written down Coventry community or something like that yeah it'll, it'll always be the Rico won't it let's be honest um or it'll at least be known as that for the next five years before they get used to the new name um of course we had the community shield this weekend as well um Leicester came through that one so well done to them I, I have to say I, I thought it was pretty refreshing yet again to see Leicester win that final I think there's something boring about Man City winning everything so I certainly didn't mind seeing that and we'll be coming on to talk about both of those sides very shortly Um, before we do that though um, 
it's probably about time that we advertise our fantasy Premier League mini league this year, um, which we're, we're going to bring back again for a second season. Um, I think, how did it go last year? I, I think we, we probably advertised it a fair bit at the start of the season and then it tailed off. We'll, we'll see how we can keep that up this time. Um, the code to join the league this year, it, it might be the same as last year. I've got the code written down here. It is KMG5EU. Um, that's all lowercase letters and then the five is the number. If you were part of it last season, you should immediately be added to it once your first draft has been made. Um, maybe we'll have a prize this year. I, I think it'd be good if we could have a prize. We haven't decided on anything, um, but we maybe keep an eye on our socials and we might think of something and put it up on the Twitter and say, this is the prize. Um, it might be monetary, but it also might not be. It might be something. An really evening with George be. Wilson. <laughs> I don't I don't think anyone would want that after listening to me ramble on on here but um yeah join that if you fancy um and we will see who can top that league this time around anyway on with the Premier League preview um again it a lot of the players involved in the Premier League have barely really had a rest but they're back this weekend makes sense for us to start with Manchester City last season's title winners um since winning the title last year by a 12-point margin, they've lost Sergio Aguero, but they've just just took $100 million out of their pocket and just given it to Aston Villa as well do. Um, yeah. to bring Jack Grealish in. And I think from the offset, Devon, do you think it's fair to say that they're going to be the team to beat again this year? You're forgetting the bigger piece of business, which is signing Scott Carson on a permanent transfer from Derby County. Um, but I think we've been talking about it for weeks. It just seems like with uh, the Jack Grealish deal going through now and also Harry Kane, in, I don't know whether it's in the works anymore or how the situation that's is. Gonna, that's going to be going on to the final day, I think. Def- definitely, and and I hope it does for Harry Kane's career sake, and you know, getting some trophies and you know what he deserves. But um, it just seems like City are unstoppable, and with these deals coming through, uh, we were talking about. Well, I think instantly, as soon as the deal was linked and, and almost confirmed, uh, I think Sam was the one that said, um, "Congratulations to Manchester City," or just saying that because it just seems like they they are untouchable with how. Um, they've not done any sort of stylistic change. Um, obviously, we saw that Pep Guardiola overthought the Champions League final, but overall, it's just how they fit these players in. Obviously, um, Grealish probably comes in as an eight um, rather than a left winger where he was playing at Aston Villa um, due to Sterling. But um, there's just now a danger of a massive gap coming up between it, not even just the top four and five from the rest of the league, but Manchester City to the other three teams going for that top four spot is there's a real danger of them just going on for a couple of years now, which um, is not is is probably good for Man City fans, but not good for the league overall. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair point, Sam. You you said there you think the the Kane saga could go on until the final day of the window. Do you think City will eventually decide to cough up the money that Spurs want for him? I think that's the striker position where City are looking to improve, definitely, considering they've lost Aguero. I don't 
obviously they operated with the the false nine system or whatever you want to call it a lot last season but I don't think that's a long-term plan for them so if they were to get someone like Kane you know top scorer top provider in the league last season that would just I mean write off any competition for me really but knowing how Daniel Levy does his business he is going to draw it out to the final day we've got a a war of words going on already between Kane and Spurs saying that he wasn't supposed to be in training the club supposedly saying he was so that's something that's going to ramble on it's a bit similar to like Gareth Bale when he was linked with Real Madrid initially so yeah the the name that Harry Kane is that's going to be the the talk of the summer until the final day I think if they get him like I say they're just going to be unstoppable having Jack Grealish in already he's going to take some of the creative burden off Kevin De Bruyne and not that he really needs it City were the highest scorers last season, best defence last season, only dropped four points between December and March towards the end of last season. So adding these players who had some of the best players in the league, that's just going to make them even better. So it's going to be difficult for other sides to challenge them. With Sam yeah, saying Harry, that as well, cool. the, um, oh, sorry, I would just say the, with City being the, the top goal scorers as well, um, I think JJ Bullard-Tifo uh, has said it numerous times now that uh, City uh, borderline on their expected goals and Harry Kane's a player that actually overachieves his, in terms of expected goals. So that sort of link-up play could mean that City just, you know, when we got we got a few games where City were putting seven, eight, six pass play, eight teams, we couldn't see that just throughout the whole of the season. Um, there's, so many players that can, there's so many players that can come up with 10 plus, 10 to 15 goals in that team as well. De Bruyne, Gundogan, Sterling, Jesus even as a backup could, could provide the goals as well. So they got so many options there and defensively they're solid now with Stones and Diaz at the back. Harry, do you agree that the signing of Kane could make City pretty much untouchable in terms of the title? Oh, most certainly. I think already, I think Pep Guardiola, I was, I was listening or reading somewhere, I can't remember where it came from, averages 93 points a season. I think they'll still win the league if they have Jesus up front. You know, he doesn't get as many first-team opportunities. Maybe he gets 20 minutes off the bench every game. So his appearances rack up compared to his actual goals and assists. But I think if you're a half-decent striker, just play the number nine role for Man City, stand on the penalty spot, and the ball will get fired into you three, four, five times a game. And if you type two of those in, you know, you you could end up as the top goal scorer. But 100% agree. If they get Harry Kane, the league is going to be absolutely unplayable. Yes, he might have that recurring injury problem. He might have the injury problems he's had previously. But I also think that a lot of that was just due to due to the fact that they relied on him so heavily. He had to play every league game, every cup game, every Europa League game. Whereas with Manchester City, they'll go, do you know what? You can play every league game, but only play every other Champions League game. Don't play against, you know, the fourth tier Russian side on the on the Thursday, on the Wednesday night. We'll rest you for that game so you can get the top goal score in the Premier League. And then you can play the knockout rounds in the Champions League or something like that, just to make sure he doesn't get injured because the Premier League is what I think they're going to win. And I think Kane would only help that. And personally, I'm not sure if they're going to get them. I was really confident that they were, but I think Daniel Levy is so stubborn that he'd happily have less money for him next summer just to say, I'm going to keep you this time. I think they did a similar thing with Luka Modric when he could have went to Chelsea and he instead went to Real Madrid. So I think with or without Kane, they'll just win the Premier League. But it will be the fact of how many points by will they win the Premier League. Yeah, it does certainly seem to be in the balance a little bit, doesn't it, with the um, 
the shift at Spurs in terms of looking at new strikers. We saw yesterday they were in for Lataro Martinez from Inter, but we're not sure how close that one is. And I think it's going to be an interesting situation for the first Super Sunday of the season. Um because, of course, Man City go to Spurs. But where will Harry Kane be? Will he even be in the stadium? I think whoever's on camera duty that day will be looking for his face in the stand and panning across to him at every opportunity. But um, whether it will go through, we certainly won't find out yet. But maybe by the end of August, it will have done. Um, last season, Manchester City's closest challengers were Man United. And they've had a pretty busy summer themselves. Um They've already brought in Jaden Sancho, finally brought Jaden Sancho in. I mean, that's been going on for over a year. Um, And Rafael Varane as well from Real Madrid. I think um, United have confirmed that that's gone through. I'm not sure if he's had his medical yet. I think he's in quarantine, isn't he? I I think I saw that yesterday. So he's definitely going through, essentially. Um, And two pretty big signings. Devon, is there one of these two that you think will be more important for Man United? I think Rafael Varane arguably could be because Man United were... <clears throat> goal scoring really wasn't a problem, uh, in my opinion, for them. I think they got they had goals coming from, um, from midfield, obviously, with Bruno, but uh, the front three seemed to get quite prolific on the counter, as we know Man United like to play, but we always question the defence. And I think um, we've seen what Harry Maguire's capabilities are with a defender that he trusts next to him and a competent defender where with John Stone for England. Um, and hopefully the introduction of Iran will also um, strengthen that. And then it allows them to, you know, maybe there was talk early summer, you know, with um, with Kieran Trippier coming in, bringing Aaron Wambasaka in the defence and having a back three and pushing Luke Shaw further up to create that sort of, uh, five, two, three, uh, five, yeah, five, two, three. My maths is all right. Um, I think overall, the 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 defense is what Man United needed to focus on, uh, and just having Jaden Sancho there was a bonus. And we know what Sancho has done. We've talked about him for what three years now in terms of his uh, not just his goal scoring, but his goal contributions. And uh, overall, I think he'd be a good addition to the league. Let's hope he can sort of. Um, adjust quickly and really can hit the ground running because I'm excited to see where he could uh, could go. So Devon's touched there on just how impressive those two signings seem to be for Man United. But Harry, do you think there are potentially any areas on the pitch where they lack quality Man United? Because I, I can think of maybe one or two. I think certainly in midfield. I mean, the attacking part of their midfield is absolutely brilliant. You know, Fernandez got what thir- almost thirty goal contributions, if not thirty goal contributions, last season in the Premier League. But that Fred's McTominay—that's not a Premier League winning central midfield. They need to get someone in there. Or you know, you look at PSG now; they've gone for Lionel Messi. You've got to think financial fair play. Surely they can't get Pogba through the door as well in the same window. So maybe they get one more season of Pogba to prove that they can be Premier League winners or challenges and that he'll sign a new deal or leave on a free at the end of the season. So you can certainly look at there, but also I know they score a lot of goals, but you can always have more goals. And I think if they could find a, a brilliant number nine, Cavani did well last season. I think he scored 10 in the Premier League. But him and Greenwood, I think they need just a perfect like 26-year-old prime number nine. I don't think they'll get it. I don't think that's the place that they absolutely need to strengthen. I'd rather look at the midfield if I was them. 
But I think that could certainly be a place. But people look at Barad straight away. You've got to wait. You've got to wait a few weeks. Same with Sancho. I think they've hardly trained, if trained at all. You know, Barad's not even official yet. And Sancho only came back a couple of days ago at most due to the England duty. So people have got to be patient. But if you look at Man United, Leeds, Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle, West Ham, that's their first five. So I can see them picking up almost maximum points, if not maximum points out of those fixtures, because that's where they normally struggle, right at the start of the season. You know, last season, they lost against Crystal Palace at home, and that, that was a real downer right at the start. So if they can get, you know, if they can start the season well, they, they could be up there, but I've got them third. I have to agree with you on uh, on the number nine, Harry. I, I think as much as I like Cavani, and I think he he's already become a bit of a favourite among the United fans, I, I just think... Can you really rely on someone that old as your main striker? I know he's maybe not that injury prone, but I still have my doubts there. Would you agree, Sam? Yes, but I also think defensive midfield, like Harry mentioned, Fred is... I mean, Matomini and Fred worked as a pair in stints last season, but Fred is unreliable, let's let's be honest. And McTominay still has room to grow, and then, but neither of them are, are a title-winning defensive midfielder if you if you want to go for that Premier League you want to challenge a team like Manchester City so I agree st- striker they could do with an improvement but it looks like they're going to stick out try and get Martial firing again you got your Greenwoods Cavani's like Harry mentioned so they're not desperate for a number nine but they could do with they could probably do with a better one yeah yeah, I think given the money they've already spent, I think from what I read a couple of weeks ago, striker, they may be thinking more next year because I know Haaland has kind of committed himself to Dortmund for another year. So we don't think there'll be any movement on that front. Um, last season, the third place team somehow finished as high as third after their mid-season collapse was Liverpool. Um, they've brought in one player this summer. That player is centre-back Ibrahima Kanate. I hope I've pronounced that right. That was from RB Leipzig. Um, I think the general view from Liverpool fans from pre-season is that Kanate is a pretty good piece of business. Um, But does it surprise you, Devon, that they haven't been more active in the market, given that last year was pretty poor by Liverpool's standards? Yeah, um, as we mentioned, that a lot of the reason for that was the injury crisis they had, um, as you mentioned. Uh, I think that they, in terms of areas that they definitely need right now, they need someone, they need a number eight because, uh, as we know, Genie Van Alden has left. Um, he's probably dodged a bullet by not going to Barcelona and instead going for PSG. Um, but they need that number eight, someone like Frank, Frank Kesse or... Um, I think no else has been linked as well from Gladbach, but you know, Gini Wijnaldum was uh, is going to be a big loss. Uh, played every league, uh, played in every league games for for Liverpool last season, which you know a lot of players didn't because of the injury list. Um, I think Canate is going to be very good um, at the back with Van Dijk. When I, I'm not sure how many games Van Dijk's got in pre-season so far, um, but I think he he'll be one that's. Um, then that partnership could reflect the one from the RB Leipzig with uh, Upa Meccano. Um Just overall, I think Liverpool probably need, you know, a backup for one of the wingers. Um, whether Jota comes more into his own, you don't know. But there's, there's definitely room for for one or two more signings before the window goes up. It's just where they go because that Canary deal took a big chunk out of the budget. Um, you know, 
presumably. A bit of an issue with Kanata as well. At 22, he's already had two injury hit seasons. So I think he's another one that's not going to come in straight away. I don't think it's going to take time to bed him in. And I think another slight worry, it's been a theme of Klopp's time at Liverpool. They've, they've not been as active in the summer window as a lot of their rivals, but they've got that strong core that they, that they had when they won the title. And they had such, like you mentioned, George, at the start, they had such a strong finished the last season, took 26 points out of a possible 30 to end the season. So they found that winner's mentality again. So I think they'll, I don't think they'll be a challenger for the, for the title necessarily, but they'll definitely be uh, nailed on top four for me. Harry, where do you kind of place Liverpool? I know you said you, you had a position in mind for Man United. So what are you thinking for the Reds? Yeah, just one below Manchester United. I've put them in fourth. I think even though they've not been active, and like Devon said, I'm seriously unimpressed by the lack of transfer activity. You know, he got the one got the fifth most amount of minutes in their squad last season, and yet they still haven't replaced him. There's still plenty of time to go, but I'm not confident in them replacing it either. I think the Liverpool Echo said that they'll only get a new man in if Origi or Shakiri leave. So their, their business seems almost done already. But I think because of the world, world-class talent across the pitch, you're looking goal, you look at Robertson, we don't know how much that injury will affect him, but if it's not serious, he'll probably start the season. You look at Trent, you look at all across their front line as well, that's still a level of world-class. And you look at Virgil van Dijk, I don't think he'll be fully fit until you know three months' time, but I think a half-fully fit and half-match sharp van Dijk is still probably one of the top five centre-backs in the league. So, like Sam said, I think they're going to continue their momentum, but I don't think they're going to win the league. I think they'll get the Champions League place, but that'll be fourth. I'm surprised they're not in for Martinez from Inter, to be fair, because... You know, that front three isn't going to last forever and they already showed signs of of weakness maybe last season, getting on a bit, a few of them. Salah had still had a great season. I think he scored over 30 in all comps still. So he's still a brilliant player in the Premier League. But like I say, that that front three isn't going to last forever and Martinez is a, is a brilliant talent. And if they can get him for a, a slightly cheaper price than expecting because of Inter's financial problems, then I think they should go for him. It's yeah. it's a big season for sorry, George. No, go ahead. I'm gonna say it's it's a big season for Klopp as well because if they sort of don't hit the boil again, will he be thinking is it time for me to move on? Because you know it, we saw what happened at Dortmund when once he had that blip, it really then turned into a blip. So whether the we know with Liverpool as soon as it clicks, it'll click, and we saw that for two three seasons maybe um where when it worked it worked and as soon as they hit that stumbling but they've just they've, they've they hadn't they recovered well last season but again it was scraping around for we just need to see what the true potential of a Liverpool 11 is again because um we mentioned that City are untouchable but with Liverpool at the time when they started to challenge City again we were saying that City were this dynasty that no one would be able to challenge and Liverpool came along, so it just depends whether. I mean, we've still got one top four contender that I think will be next, probably the nearest team to City currently. But um, it's, it's 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 a really a big uh, year for Klopp. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We obviously mentioned a lot there the central midfield position and losing Vinaldum, and I was having a look through some of the uh, Liverpool tweets yesterday after their friendly. Um, ahead of their game next week at Norwich. And there were suggestions there that they might start Harvey Elliott there in the three next week. He was 
out of Blackburn last season, and he must be what eighteen, maybe even seventeen. I, I, I think he's almost definitely a teenager. Um, but that would be a bit of a gamble. That he's he's clearly got talent, but um, big stage, no bigger stage than Carrow Road. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, somehow we've got twenty five minutes into this. And we still haven't mentioned the European champions. And I, I think this was a team who you were just alluding to, Devon. Um, Chelsea. I was about Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, of course, um, who are set to add Romelu Lukaku to their ranks very soon. Big signing. Um, and Sam, th- this one's obviously, you can see links between this and the Lotaro Martinez story because maybe now Inter have got this chunk of money for coming Inter, in for Lukaku. It's, it's maybe not going to happen now for Martinez. Yeah. Inter just not Juventus off their throne and now they're running into all these financial issues. They've lost their manager and they're losing all their best players. But, I mean, Lukaku is going to be such a big signing for Chelsea. That's that's the area they were worrying a little bit. Timo Werner's not been the player they want to be. Tammy Abraham didn't really get a chance last season, to be honest. He looks to be going somewhere else. So Lukaku, he's come on leaps and bounds since he originally left Chelsea. So he's going to be so big for them. Yeah, I think that that's a really exciting signing. I think he's really good to watch. And I think in terms of his Chelsea career, he never really got a proper shot at it, did he? So I think he'll be wanting to prove them wrong, show them that they were wrong to let him go so early in his career. Um, Harry, are you quite excited to see what Thomas Tuchel can do, given that this is going to be his first full season in the job? I was going to say exactly that. You know, he won the Champions League first season without even having a pre-season where he can fully assess his squad. He can make the changes and now look. Lukaku, I know he, he doesn't really fit that pressing sort of style, but he's a guy that you can almost guarantee 25 goals out of. And with Jorginho top scoring with seven penalties last season, and they all, all somehow got into the Champions League places, that could absolutely be fantastic for them. I don't think they're going to win the league. However, I think they're going to come very, very, very close. And you look at the centre-back department, getting, is it Jules Kunde? I don't know if I've fully pronounced that correctly, but getting him through the door. I know it's a bit of a worry that a lot of their centre-backs, I think Christiansen, Silva, and Rudiger all in one year left of their contracts. But if they do well, there's no reason for them to leave. And if, if Tuchel likes them, then fantastic. So, yeah, I think I think they're going to do very well this season. Even if Lukaku and Kunde is their only two additions, I think their squad's just fantastic. Their midfield is like set as well because Kante, mm. so reliable, Kovacic as well. And Jorginho, what a Euros he had with Italy. And there was even Ballon d'Or shouts for Jorginho after the Euros he's had with Italy. So... I think he sort of almost revived his Chelsea career in a way. That that midfield three is set for them. They've sorted out the goalkeeper situation with Eduard Mendy. They're pretty set with him. They've got the experience at the back, Aspilicueta Silva, that were already mentioned, Koundé coming in, an exciting young centre-back from Seville. So they've got a really good team. Tuchel had the beating of Pep in their many meetings last season as well. So it is going to be interesting to see what Chelsea can do. Yeah, I think it's... We're all pretty unanimous in that we expect Chelsea to push for it. Dev, and do, are you in agreement with that? Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see. I think you mentioned the pressing style there, Harry, but I think um, with 
Lukaku coming in, I think it'll be a different. I think they'll set up slightly different with uh, a front a front three anyway. Because I'm just excited to see how, especially I think Werner will continue. You said about him not being the player that they he that they wanted, but he's provided something else in terms of his runs and his um, goal contributions. Um, and I think him playing off someone like Lukaku could improve him as well. But I'm excited to see, you know, link up of Lukaku playing it to Werner for Havertz to finish or whoever else. I mean, there's still Christian Pulisic to come in there. There's um, Ziyech as well. And I think Chelsea just have a really good, well-rounded squad now. But it, I think the squad would definitely challenge Man City. It's just that Pep Guardiola aspect. I think that's just nudging them further forward. And I mean, especially if they get Harry Kane, and it just seems to be a bit of a, it just it's just a bit of a playground bully, isn't it? The, you know, the the taller lad in the 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 playground holding the ball, so the other players can't get it. It's a, it's an interesting analogy, but I think with the two signings coming in for Chelsea, um, I think I think they're pretty much set. Um, and they've like City, they've just got an embarrassment of riches, haven't they? Uh, in terms of players in the background. Yeah, absolutely, they have. Um, I have to say, I personally think that those four teams that we've just mentioned are probably the realistic contenders for this season's title. Would anyone want to throw another team into the ring, or do you think realistically that isn't going to happen? We can see we can see we can see these teams sort of moving away from the rest slowly mm. every season, unfortunately. And that's just how the Premier League is now with the imbalance of wealth. So is what it is. But those teams that these teams are definitely the strongest by far. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting because if uh, if it takes a couple of weeks for you know the players that went to the Euros and got deep into the Euros don't come back straight away, that uh, there might be a little bit of time for some certain teams to pick up points early on but like I say it's a marathon not a sprint and sometimes the your end form can win it for you as City have shown in previous years Yeah I think we we seem pretty happy with those four don't we we'll move on though to talk about some of the teams who we think could be in the mix for the European <laughs> spot so that's both the top four but also um, five, six and seven of course the Seven being the, for conference league, the conference league, absolutely. <laughs> who who knows dog. what that will bring this year? Um, we should probably start with the newly crowned Community Shield winners, um, Leicester City, who you know they probably should be in the Champions League this season. Let, let's be honest. Um, last two seasons, the last, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the same they, thing has happened both years. They, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think. I I know that what what they've had in terms of the FA Cup win and Sunday's win. I, I'm sure they're they're not in the position to complain. So, um, but I I still think I'd be looking back as a fan and thinking, how did we not do it I anyway? Think, yeah, I think it nags at Brendan Rodgers a little bit. He has that tag of the the, the nearly man, and mm-hmm. on these last two seasons, that's been the case in the in terms of the Champions League. But like you say, delivering their first. FA Cup and you know what he's just what he's done in general for that club has been really good so they should they should be confident again of going for it yeah and Harry they've made some pretty smart signings this summer I think it's fair to say don't you agree 
Oh, most certainly. Patson Dacker, Buba Curry, Samare. I think I've hope, hopefully I've nailed that. And Ryan Birch. And don't just add depth, but they add quality as well. I think all three of them, maybe not Samare, because I think their midfield is very, very strong, especially with Ndidi in there. But the other two could definitely be starters. Samare, not Samare. Dak is seen as that Vardy-esque replacement. I've been impressed with him so far. I think having those three top quality strikers in the Inacho end of the season. Well, Vardy, who, yes, he didn't have his best scoring season, especially in the second half, but, you know, he's still Jamie Vardy. He's still an absolute pain for, to, to defend against. And then Ryan Birch definitely upgrades that left-back spot, especially with the injury of James Justin. I think they could be a real challenge. You know, I put them sixth. I think they will get pips by Arsenal to that fifth-place position. But it's another exciting season where especially they've got the Europa League to play for as well. They need to get... Dis- yeah, go on. Sorry. Were you disappointed to lose Bertrand, Harry? In a way, I think, you know, getting a player that's played 240 times for you is it's disappointing when you've had seven years of that player and then A leaves on a free, you don't really get to see him, or you don't get to see him play his last game because he was out injured for the last few or didn't want to get injured for his new move, which you could understand. But, I mean, we'll go on to Saints later, but I'm excited by the addition of Perraz because he's, he's more of an attacking unit. But he's he will be good for Leicester City because... He's just he's a Premier League proven player that upgrades that position. And you know, one appearance for Leicester, 240 for Saints, and he's already got a trophy under his belt, <laughs> one more than he did at Saints. That like I saw a tweet uh, a few days ago, which deeply hurt me. But you know, I think he'll be a good addition, both as that, but also as a professional as well as, as an older statesman, even though he's not that old, for people like Luke Thomas and James Justin to, to guide them into like a Premier League quality level players. I think it's definitely trophy in quote marks, though, isn't it? I mean, I'd take, I'd take it. <laughs> I'd take it. Not for Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam, sorry, I interrupted to ask. Yeah, Harry I was just going to say about the centre back situation mm, with Leicester. Yeah. Obviously, they desperately need to bring one or two in before the start. I think it was Ndidi that filled in the Community Shield and mm-hmm. did all right, but that's not a long term replacement. Obviously, they need someone to support. So, on it's obviously a shame with. Fafana's injury, you never want to see a young, exciting player like him go down with that, especially in a in a preseason game. But that's what that's the the hole that they need to fill before the start of the season. But the, the signings you mentioned there, Dakar, the Leicester fans are hailing him as the next Jamie Vardy. He's got all the same qualities and looks a really exciting player. They've kept all their their best players. They've kept their core from last season. Indeed, Tielemans, Madison, all still there. So they'll be good for another push, I think, for the top four. Yeah, and I think it was Daniel Amati as well who featured on mm-hmm. Saturday in that charity yeah. shield, who who I think I think has only really ever been viewed as a kind of backup option since he signed all those years ago. How long has he been there? Must have been six years, because I think I think he made I think he might have made his debut against Norwich in their title winning season for some reason. That sticks in my head. Um, trivia. <laughs> Devon, do you think in the Europa League this time Leicester will maybe want to have a better stab at it after, you know, going out in the early knockouts last time? I think Leicester will look at the situation of the Premier League. Obviously, we're already writing off the rest of the 16 teams after uh, as early start. But again, on paper, it just looks like the world's away. So I reckon Leicester will probably look at themselves and think, we're probably on a better scale than Tottenham, Arsenal, or any teams around that region, um, and they'll they'll just look at they'll look at the situation and think we might have a chance to go for it. And I think if Brendan Rodgers can get them 
into the latter stages of the Europa League. I'm sure Leicester fans will see that as a success after, you know, you just look at the progression, obviously, in the last 10, uh, in the last 15 years. Sorry, they've got a League One title, uh, a Championship One, Premier League, Community Shield, FA Cup. Uh, it's not a bad not a bad run for a club, uh, club's recent history, but uh, they just need to look at that next step. If they can, if they think that top four is more viable than the Europa League, then they're probably going to be concentrating on the league because their squad depth is not overall big. But I think the Europa League should be something that Leicester could target because we've seen what happened in the Champions uh, Champions League when they got to the quarterfinals with not a necessarily strong squad, um, as strong as it is now. Um, they just need to put a few things to bed, like you mentioned. The centre-back issue, it'll be interesting to see whether, if they get a centre-back in, will they get, will they follow the Patson, uh, Dakaru and the Sumaru, uh, Sumer, I can't say his name, sorry, um, in terms of players that are going to play under the current crop and then come through eventually, you know, like Sionchu a couple of years ago and sort of the progression of everyone. But uh, whether they get a centre-half that's going to fill in for now um, or someone that's going to come through in a couple of years, um, and also quieting the fire around Madison and Arsenal. Um, and just generally just get a settled squad ready for that. Well, the first game's on Saturday, but just make sure you get that um, squad in early and not having to rush about on the last day and try and throw somebody in. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that Leicester have got some business to do. But I think in terms of their recruitment, they've done it pretty well over the last few years. So it wouldn't surprise me if they got it done fairly quickly um joining them in next season or this season's because it's this season now isn't it it's, it's so weird to think is this season's Europa League will be West Ham United um who surprised a lot of people last year by being up there pushing for the European spots Sam do you think they're capable of doing it again or do you not see it they've not done any business of any note as far as I'm aware which is a bit worrying it doesn't look like they're going to get Lingard back it looks like he's going to have a part to play for United this season so for me it's it looks like a, a one and done thing for West Ham no disrespect but they just don't have the, the squad depth for me to balance Europe and then go for another push it was a bit like the, the Burnley situation when they got in they don't really have the the overall quality to to balance the two competitions for me so I, I don't see maybe but I don't see them as maybe probably mid-table this season for me yeah, you've you've taken the words out of my mouth there by mentioning the Burnley scenario when they were in Europe. Ha Harry, how do you see it going for West Ham? Yeah, I, I'm of a similar ilk. I think Arion is their only sort of big player that they've brought in. But then again, Fabianski didn't have a bad season whatsoever. You know, out of all positions, they could have strengthened. I don't think goalkeeper is the main one. Don't you? I think Fabianski's. I want to say around the 36-year-old sort of margin. So if they get Ariola and if there's an option to buy or an obligation, I think there's one of those in there. And he does well, then fantastic, because then they've got a future goalkeeper that can take over Fabianski. But I'm in agreement, in, or agreement in the fact that, yeah, I'm not too impressed by their business so far. I'm a bit surprised because I thought, you know, the, the Sullivans and the, the Golds, as much as they get criticised, they don't mind chucking 20 or 30 million pounds around to see who they can get. So... Yeah, I think even if they do finish 10th to 13th around that area, I don't think West Ham's fans will be devastated as long as they can get out the knockout stages of the Europa League or, or at least have a good showing in that sort of aspect. I think, you know, they'll, they'll be happy with that. But yeah, 10th to 13th, somewhere somewhere around there, not, not challenging for Europe this year. Yeah, we should probably move on then to talk about the Europa Conference, Conference League. Debutants, Tottenham Hotspur... 
Um, they finished in seventh last year, which was their lowest Premier League finish since the 2008-09 season. Um, so certainly not one to remember um, after they topped it in like November and everyone thought, oh, their title can Radio's back. <laughs> <laughs> it all went wrong. Um, but they've got Nuno Espirito Santo in there after a long managerial search. Devon, what do you make of that appointment? Um, it's hard. If you'd have asked me this a year or two ago, I'd have said, oh, this is a fantastic appointment. It's obviously Pellegrino, uh, yeah, Mauricio Pochettino, sorry, not Pellegrino. Um, <laughs> Pochettino was there and uh, things were on the up for Spurs and it was un- we always contact they were going to be title contenders and this and that. But I think Nuno currently hit stagnation last season with Wolves. You could tell that um, there was a, there was an error that he was going to leave. And as soon as he lost his talisman in uh, Jimenez, things fell apart and, and Jota as well pre, uh, to Liverpool. But as soon as he lost those two key players, um, as good as uh, Pedro Neto is, he just didn't, he didn't live up to the expectation, weren't able to carry the, the team. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how Spurs set up, whether they follow suit with that sort of counter-attacking style. I know that um, when they had, uh, obviously last season with Spurs, um, it worked well for them um, with Son and Kane um, linking up. But again, it's that Kane situation because Nuno's um, introduction has been, uh, it's been rocky. Um, it's been more about what Kane's doing, not what Nuno's doing. And I think, the signings that they've brought in, I think Christian Romero um, will be good for that pressing at uh, the start of style because Atlanta's very vigorous and uh, Atalanta, sorry, is very vigorous style. Uh, and I think Brian Gill is a very good signing as well uh, under the radar, but uh, it's how these players all fit. And I think there's, with Spurs, there's a lot more to do because, you know, like, obviously Toby Valdeveireld is a, is a big loss as well at the back in terms of experience. So it's whether, um, you know, Davinson Sanchez and uh, Tanganga can sort of live up to expectations, but I don't think they could. And I think Spurs could have just a, a season of uh, generally a season of mid table before sort of looking on it next season and trying to mount a challenge for the Europa Conference League spaces again. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, particularly I think in the first few games for Spurs, while they've still got that Kane situation hanging over them, how that could affect the other players and even the manager as well. Um, Last season for the North London clubs was a really miserable one. Um, Spurs just about finished above Arsenal. I don't think they were celebrating it much, but they did finish above Arsenal. Arsenal Arsenal finished in eighth, which means they won't compete in Europe for the first time since 1995 to 96. See, I've got all the miserable stats for the Arsenal and Tottenham (laughs) fans. Um, But Harry... You hinted there at your little table prediction. You think they could get back into the Europa League this year and finish in fifth, which would be respectable, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I do like the three signings that they made or the three high-profile signings they made and Ben White, Nuno Tavares and Lekonga. I'm not going to try to try his full name because speaking isn't the best thing I, I can do most of the time. So that sort of pronunciation, not oh, but for me. Sam but... B, isn't it? There we go. That, thank you very much, Sam. But I think the fact that, 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 that was difficult, Harry. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The fact the fact that they have no four-hour flights on a Thursday night every other week now should really help them. Put it'll put the pressure on Arteta because he'll just have domestic competitions to play in. But 
I think having a clear run at the Premier League, having at the moment almost a clean bill of health, and you'd think an Aubameyang that should be back in form, you know, only got 10 Premier League goals last season, but you wouldn't expect him to have a, a sort of similar drought in the following. I'm expecting them to do not well this season in terms of, you know, they'd expect to get top four, even though they've not done that in years. You know, I, I can't remember the day. I guess someone might have that to them. But yeah, I think they should get, be getting fifth. And that's what I expect them to do. Because I do think they do have a, a decent squad, especially with the addition of Ben White. Yeah, and it's often said as well when a team who's typically been in European competition for a long time isn't in um them that they should then perform domestically as you've said there Harry but Sam there's going to be a lot of pressure on Arteta from the start because of um, what happened last year I think a lot of fans are calling for his yeah fixtures a lot of people are calling for his head after that um, Villarreal Europa League game how do you see it going for him it's going to be it's going to be enough a tough season they're a team in transition it looks like they're building towards the future really with the signings they've made all 23 or younger new contracts for Tierney and Smith Rowe it looks like they're going to stick with him instead of going for Madison but you never know they still might go in for him but they don't seem like a club that want to even though they spent 50 million on Ben White they don't like to spend large amounts on single players so looks like they're more building towards the future they're stuck with Arteta they're in it for the long haul with him but I think the fixtures they've got coming up quickly, Chelsea and Manchester City before the month's even up. That's going to be a, a test of character, really. If they get battered in those games, it's going to be another start to the season where Arsenal fans are, are questioning the management, questioning the board, questioning the decisions. So they've still got a lot of dead weight to move as well. I think Xhaka wants to leave. David Luiz is still there. And he's not really going to feature, I don't think. I don't know, but... It's going to be another tough season for me for Arsenal. Yeah, it's pretty hard to predict, I have to say, given those new signings that they've made and just how inconsistent they were last year. Um, Are there any other teams, Devon, that you think could maybe make a run for the European spots and maybe be the West Ham of this season? Um, it's, It's quite... It's going to be probably one team that George doesn't want us to mention for one certain individual that's playing for them now. Um, But I think um, outside shouts, maybe Leeds United could be a team that, you know, with Bielsa, it depends um, on whether they suffer any sort of uh, second season syndrome, um, like Sheffield United did uh, last season, uh, to my delight. But um, with with like the likes of them bringing in Jack Harrison from Man City and a permanent is a great deal just because uh, they've managed to get obviously they've had three seasons out of him on loan and in getting him in there permanently permanently means that they're not there's no longer any sort of question whether he's going to be there next season or not now they can implement that style and he's somebody that is the perfect jigsaw to uh, Marcelo Bielsa's system. <clears throat> I think bringing in Junior Firpo as well is, is good. Um, and also the goalkeeper, Klaassen, um, getting rid of Kiko Kassir as far away as that first uh, from that goalkeeping spot is a massively good move as well. Um, the second team, I think that could be there, and I think, I'm pretty sure the other boys will bring this up as well, is Aston Villa. Um, it's hard to ignore the business that they've brought in despite losing Jack Grealish. And now this is an opportunity for Villa to sort of say, look, we're not a one-man team, even though last season when Grealis got injured, their form massively dipped. But, you know, um, <clears throat> if you want to 
turn down your uh, your volume, George, now uh, for two <laughs> seconds. Fantastic signing in terms of goals and assists. And if he uh, gets to his full potential, I reckon he could produce the similar numbers to Grealish, obviously not as an importance, but uh, the similar numbers. I think Ashley Young brings in great experience. I think Leon Bailey is a very good uh, a player that's exciting as well coming off the right. Uh, and Harry, this is your turn now to turn yours down. I think Dan, Danny Ings. Um, Danny Ings is a strange one um, because the deal came yeah. from nowhere, but he is somebody that easily could put 20 goals in for, for Villa. And it also takes the sort of mantle off of and the the goal scoring stress off of Ollie Watkins. If he can stay fit. Allow him to, yeah, if he can stay fit. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think even Axel Transabi coming into the defensive line on loan is is a positive as well in terms of depth. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one with Villa because everything that's happened with Grealish and I think there's been a, a lot of meltdown from quite a few Villa fans, but I think a lot of them also don't realise quite how good Emi Buendia is. Um, and I think <laughs> they will they will maybe maybe start to realise that they don't need Jack Grealish. And I think also there's maybe a risk that in two years, Emi Buendia's off to Man City himself. Um, you, can, you, can clip, you can clip that up and come back to like, two years. Like George, with, with your, with your recent on-the-record um, <laughs> videos, I don't think you want to be saying that. <laughs> no, I, I, I genuinely believe it. Um, and Harry, what have you got to say on Ings? I know, I know you were disappointed to lose him. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's certainly a painful one, especially reading the Athletic articles a couple of months ago saying he's only going to go to a team that's going to win something. He's going to reject Arsenal or Spurs or West Ham and Aston Villa. And I was sat in the stands waiting for the Saints to play Levante. I looked over to the right because for some reason the players that weren't playing were sat in the stands. So you got the Wall Prowses, you got the Alex McCarthy, you got the Bednar X because they did like two sort of 11s on the two different games. And I was like, I, I, I don't see Ings there. That's, that's a bit strange. Is it the last game? So I take my phone and the, the group chat goes mental saying, oh, Aston Villa, he signed, he signed Jack Grealish. But they used a really strange photo of Danny Ings. So I thought this must be Photoshop. So I go on Twitter, first two posts, Aston Villa and Saints, we've confirmed the signing or we've confirmed that a deal has been agreed. But I think it's an OK deal for both sides. Yes, the Saints have lost their main talisman who got 12 or 13 last season, got 22 the year before, I believe. So he's, he's a man that's carried the Saints out of the relegation battle most years. I think it's a good deal for both clubs. Aston Villa get a star striker who should get them 15 goals if he can get 30 games under his belt. And Saints get £30 million to play with for the next football, for the foreseeable future, plus if they do any other dealings outgoing. So, yeah, I think it's a good deal for both teams. Yeah, I think it's probably worth us mentioning before we move on to the battle at the bottom of the league. Um, Everton's appointment of... Rafa Benitez. Um, Sam, how do you see that one going for him? I, I know that some of their fans weren't too sure because of his past with their friends from across the road. Um, but yeah, how do you see it going? Um, strange one, really. I mean, I think he splits opinion. Obviously, Newcastle fans enjoyed him for his time there, but they didn't really entertain so much and they were a bit uninspiring at times. And I I just I don't know what Everton what Everton can bring us this season, whether Calvert Lewin can replicate the form that he had at the start of last season, sort of fell away a bit towards the end, whether he's got the, the qualities to do it for multiple seasons like a like a Kane's done in, in recent memory. But 
it's going to be difficult for them. I think James Rodriguez obviously pretty much moved to Everton for Carlo Ancelotti and now he's gone and jumped ship back to Real Madrid. Whether that will unsettle him a little bit, that'll be key to their season as well because he's a big player for them. So it will be an interesting one to watch, obviously, with Benitez held in such high esteem amongst the other Merseyside clubs fans. See what he does with Everton. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to watch that one, especially and when when that first Merseyside derby comes along, that'll definitely be worth a watch. Good to see what sort of reception he'll get at Anfield. Um, we will move on then to the relegation battle, the battle to survive, um, which we think a few teams could be involved in, um, a couple of which we maybe have fans <laughs> of on this podcast. Would you um, like to start off, George? Or... George, no, I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind how we do it. It probably does make sense to start with the newly promoted teams. Obviously, last season the three that came up, we saw Leeds steam away and finish in the top half, but then the other two really struggled and ended up um, going straight back down. Um, that's something which all three will be looking to avoid, of course, this time. Um, I'll, I'll ask you. I'll ask you guys first before before I give my piece. Um, Devon, how do you see it going for um, the the three newly promoted teams? Is is there what is there one that you like the look of more than the others? How do you see it? Uh, George, um, I think if Go Norwich, on, you, you, kept, can, you can't you I can't think, insult me. Just say what I you think. think. If, <laughs> if Norwich had have kept Buendia slash if Norwich spent uh, are going to spend the Buendia in uh, the earnings from Buendia deal better I think I'd give them more of a shout but it just seems a bit like last time there was a little gap and you thought you know just a little bit better business um, someone who would take a little bit more goal scoring responsibilities off uh, Timo Puke um, they'd come in they could be that but Sorry, George, I don't think Norwich have got enough quality to stay up. The, 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 it'd be interesting to see whether uh, Daniel Farker changes up the style. We mentioned that before Norwich tried to play that fancy football, but it was just a bit too much for the Premier League and they often got found out. Um, the other teams, I, I think, I, I'd, I like Brentford. I think if you listen to Don Goodman and after the Championship, um, Sky Sports reporters they'll tell you that Brentford were the best team since sliced bread um, but I just I like I think the Frank Onyenka signing's a good one I think he's settled in well and I think uh, Christoph Ayers from uh, Celtic's been linked to the Premier League for a couple of seasons now but I just don't think that the, the overall squad it just depends on Ivan Tony whether he could just drag him again uh, through like um, too much on him don't they yeah and That's the worry for me. <laughs> the last, um, yeah, I think I think I think Ivan Tony's a great player. He's done it in League One, then showed that he could carry that through to the, the Championship. And I think the Premier League does suit his game well. It's just it's the rest of the Brentford side, just because I don't think there's that quality in there to sort of drag them up. I think players like Ethan Pinnock um, will be like you know like when Fulham came up, they had Michael Hector and he couldn't sort of get to that level. So I think it's going to be the same. The last promoted team, Watford, is a team that have made that many signings, have got that many players, is that you just don't know what what sort of 11 is going to come up. And it'd just be interesting to see 
um, whether you know the, the cycling GK can keep them up just from that because um, it'd be nice to see what I think Watford out of the three teams would probably be the better to I'd probably back to stay up but um, what, what's your guys thoughts? I think they'll all struggle but mm. Watford have made a lot of signings like you say none of them would really lift them off my seat I think Danny Rose is a good pickup a lot of Premier League experience Josh King maybe if he can recapture some of the form he had at Bournemouth Ashley Fletcher, I don't, I don't really rate to be honest. Not at Premier League level anyway. I mean, Matty Pollock, what a player he is, but no, that I think all the all the newly promoted sides are gonna struggle. Like I mentioned, alluded to, I think Brentford rely a bit too much on Ivan Tony. It's gonna be down to whether he can he can cut it at the Premier League if he struggles. That's gonna derail their chances. I think if they can get some contributions from what Sergi Canyos or Embuemo, maybe. That'll help them out, but I, I, I think they'll struggle as well. Norwich obviously losing Buendia is going to be big. Replacing with with Rashisha, he's had good moments here and there in the Bundesliga for Werder Bremen, but it, they're in a similar situation to Norwich really in the Bundesliga where they've been a, a struggling side and he's had moments where he's not been able to deliver. So, be interested to see how he does. But I think it's going to be tough for all three of them. Yeah, and Harry, as a Saints fan, obviously we'll, we'll come on to talk about your summer so far, but you'll obviously be looking to steer clear of these teams. Is there one that you fear kind of sneaking up on you and surprising you? I'm not sure. Out of these three, the only one I would say would be Brentford, just because it's that first Premier League sort of bounce. I like the Obviously, I like Ivan Tony and just sort of what Devon said. I'm, I'm impressed with Azure and the other man that they did. They were able to capture, but I'm of a similar ilk. I don't think any of them are going to blow any sort of trees down with their impressiveness. I'm in the similar boat to Sam. The fact that I don't know why Watford have gone for Ashley Fletcher. He's, he's not a youngster. He's 25. He didn't really do anything in the championships. They brought him in. Josh King did okay for Bournemouth, didn't really play much for them, then went to Everton, got five appearances, didn't really do anything. Rose is good, but he's basically had a year out of football. He didn't play at all for Tottenham last season, I don't believe. So he's going to have to sharpen back up. And then Emmanuel Dennis, he's never been a prolific scorer in Belgium. You know, I think they picked him up for just under £4 million, but I'm not, I'm not blown away by him either. I look at Imran Lazura, Peter Tabo, they got from Stoke on loan. Doesn't really do much for me. I know he had a good World Cup a few years ago, but he's gone to Stoke and hasn't really moved on for quite a couple of years. I think he's been there for a reason. And Juraj Kuka, who's a bit old now. So they do improve on the cleverly huge Gosling sort of midfield 3-0 trio. But yeah, I've got them for rock bottom. Norwich, once again, 31 goal contributions for Buendia. I don't think Rashik is going to hit anywhere near that. I don't think people expected him to. 9.4 million is as much as they can really afford. But you look at him, you look at Josh Sargent, who you've linked to. I don't know how close that is, so you'll have to update us on that, George. But once again, he had five Bundesliga goals last season. I know your budget isn't massive, but once again, if you want to stay, in the, stay up in the Premier League, I'm just I'm not impressed that squad too much. And you look at Todd Cantwell, I don't, once again, you have to update me on that. I'm not 100% sure if he's going to stay or go, but yeah, I'm... I'm worried for Norwich. I think Watford and Norwich, sadly for you, George, are going to be the bottom two. Yeah, and I, I don't think any of you are alone in thinking that all of the bottom three um, could be in for tough years. And certainly I, I know that a lot of people are writing Norwich off and I, 
I don't mind seeing people writing Norwich off because it means that we have the chance to prove them wrong. Um, I do, I do worry about this season. I think at this moment in time, the squad isn't up to it. We're definitely short of a defensive midfielder. We had Ollie Skip there on loan from Tottenham last year, who was so consistent, so strong, so good in the tackle, and it, he just protected the back line. He he was the reason why our defence was so much stronger than it had been two years before. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to get him back in again, which is a bit of a blow. Um, so I hope that with, what, five days to go until the start of the season, four days to go, that um, there is someone who they're looking at for that position. We're also probably short of a centre-back. Um, but then also, when you think about the players that are coming in, as you've already touched on, Milo Rashitsa, I didn't know a lot about him um, before the signing came in. Um, I like some of the stuff that I've read, but is he going to adjust? Who knows? Um, we've also got a Greek guy who is supposedly on the way, a Greek left winger called Christos Zolis. Um, I think that's going to be announced in the next couple of weeks. That's kind of similar to Rashitsa. He's been um, he's been linked with bigger clubs before, the likes of Man United and Dortmund, but we don't really know what he's going to be like. Um, and then Josh Sargent, you mentioned there, Harry. I think by the time this podcast goes up, he will have signed. Um, I think we we definitely needed another striker um, to challenge Pookie a little bit more. Again, he, he's another big gamble. But as you said, Norwich kind of are in the position where they have to take gambles because of the money that they've got available. Um, you haven't mentioned Billy Gilmore yet. Billy Gilmore, <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I'm I like, I like the sign Billy Gilmore. Yeah, I think that is probably going to be um, one of our best signings of the window. I mean, I, I don't know. Obviously, th th these newbies could come in and um, surprise people and be complete um, complete world beaters. I mean, probably not. Well, he slotted into a Chelsea team on a couple of occasions and not looked out of place. So, obviously, it's a yeah, different situation at Norwich. Well. He's not, yeah, got the same, not got the same quality around him at Norwich, but... You never know. Yeah, I think um, what's clear with Gilmore is that the quality is there, but he he's yet to have a period where he's played week in, week out, which is the reason why he's gone to Norwich. Um, but I, I do like the look of him in pre-season. I haven't watched any of the games in full, but I think he could be a good asset. But he, he really, I can't stress it enough, he really needs someone alongside him who, you know, isn't really going to venture out of their half a lot because what cost us um, two years ago, we conceded so many soft goals when great players from other teams would just have the freedom to just run, run at our back line and shoot at goal. And Tim Krull was so overworked. He had a brilliant season, but you know, he, he, he couldn't, he couldn't do it all on his own. And we really need to fill that position in. Um, before the window closes, we shall see. I, I think I think we're better placed than we were two years ago. I think the team is more well-rounded, but it's really hard to know how we're going to cope without Wendy. But hopefully, the new signings are able to fill that void. We shall see. I've I've spoken for way too long there, but I'm I'm pleased I'm pleased I've gotten that off my chest. Um, and like I said, I really hope we can prove people wrong this year. Um, we've spoken about the. Um, newly promoted teams, but what about the other teams who potentially could find themselves down there? Harry, I, I think 
we should pro- we should probably cross over to yourself here because I think the Danny Ings sale has probably made neutrals think that you might be towards that end of the table rather than the top end. Um, how are you feeling at this point with not too long to go? The problem is pre-season sometimes gives you a false hope of expectation. I looked at games against Swansea and Cardiff without Danny. Well, Danny's played a bit, but I think he, he did down tools a bit. And I think a couple of articles that I read showed that he, he wasn't too interested because of the links away, which I, I guess is fair enough, especially in pre-season. I feel like if he stayed, he'd have been professional, but in pre-season, I guess it's a different story. But in that little break of those two games, we scored seven. You know, Levante, another top team we were able to get past. But in the two recent friendlies that I was able to get to, it's it's obvious that Danny Ings isn't there because we just had absolutely no goal threat really whatsoever. Or not not a strong goal threat. You know, we did score in both those games. One came from Carl Walker-Peters and then one came from Theo Walcott in the following game. But having the strike force of either Ings, uh, not Ings, obviously, Shane Long, Oberfemi, Adams, Teller, Teller's an exciting one, but not Premier League 35 games a season ready yet. So I think the sooner they get a striker in the door, the better. I think Armstrong, he's he's been linked, so he's been agreed. But if Palace come in and match that, I think he'll go there because I see that as a more exciting project. Brozier could come in from Chelsea, but he's another one. He'll be on loan. He's not played in the Premier League before. He's got the stature of a six foot three, quite pacey player. But it's it's a bit of a worry seeing him Ings leave, seeing Vestergaard could leave to Leicester, and I could see why they'd want him. You know, the two fullbacks to them, Bombingham, he can ping a forty yard pass, and you've got Bertrand who's left as well. So three core players leaving. So I can fully understand why the neutrals would believe that Saints could get relegated because they conceded 67 goals last season. Warprouse, I don't think could leave, but may not start the season. Though he played one pre-season game, but that was against Fulham right at the start behind closed doors. Ever since then, he's had a knee injury, so that would be another key player out, and we'd have to play Diallo instead, which is a bit of a worry. But, yeah, it, it will be a difficult season if the transfers that they want don't go through. And leaving it right to the last minute could be a big worry. So I think they'll be battling. I think Saints will stay up, but that's obviously because of my slightly Southern bias head-on. But yeah, it's, they'll certainly be in, in amongst it this season. Sam, what do you think about the prospect of Adam Armstrong at Southampton? Do you think that could be a good fit? He scored a lot of goals in his career, but whether he'll be able to do it at a Premier League level remains to be seen. He's very very similar to Danny Ings by the by the by his style of play by the looks of it. So I think it'll it'll fit in well with Saints, obviously having played with Danny Ings and being used to that system. So it'd be interesting interesting to see if that goes through how he will do for sure. Mm. In terms of uh Vestergaard as well, Harry, we know he was probably one of your star performers last season, but he, he has been linked away. Would would you be willing to well maybe not willing but would you be happy enough to see him leave for the right price yeah i mean 15 million's been chucked about and a man that's got less than 12 months on his contract and i think the athletic said that he wants a new challenge which is completely fair enough if he wants to play europa league football and lesser are offering him that chance and that's fine so I'm looking at the centre-back options at the moment. I really like Salisu. I think he ended the season quite strongly in what was quite a poor defence. He's had a good pre-season, bar a very odd own goal. I don't know if any of you have seen it against Swansea, but that was a bit of a strange run. Bednarek and Steven. So I do feel like we'll need another centre-back through the door. But if we start with Bednarek and Steven, uh, Bednarek and Salisu, sorry, with Parade on one side and either Walker-Peters or Liver and Mentor on the other, I love... 
an air of optimism. You know, we we start the season against Everton, which which would be good because their home form isn't brilliant. But then once again, we've not won there in twenty years. So, yeah, if if the fifteen million pound bid comes in and we can reinvest that in the squad, then I'll, I'll be okay with it. Yeah, and Devon, Harry mentioned there with Armstrong about Crystal Palace's interest in him and the project that is going on there with Patrick Vieira, and you know they've had a big. Um, a big switch over in terms of players going out and players coming in. What have you made of their business so far and how do you see it going for them? Yeah, me and Sam were talking about it and I've actually got them in the, in terms of my notes, I've got them in the sort of European contenders. like I, Mainly because I didn't want to put them in the relegation contenders, but I also wanted to talk about them, but I didn't know where to put them. So they are currently now, I think they are a team that has the potential to do a West Ham and sort of take everyone by storm. Um, they are very unknown because of Vieira's <clears throat> impetus because we don't know what Vieira is going to bring. How, do, how does Vieira set up? How does this? How does that? Um, there's also other factors sort of, will Wilfred Zaha be interested still? I know he's been eyeing for a move for a couple of seasons now, so if they could get him on board and firing again from what he once was, he'll be the one that can, he could be the one to sort of drag that uh, attacking side. I think the biggest thing is that they've shored up the defence. They've got a, a rid of a few ageing players and brought in, you know, Gay uh, from Chelsea, I think is a very smart signing, a, a very good, um, probably a, it performed above the championship level last season for Swansea, in my opinion. Um, the likes of Joachim Anderson, uh, we know what he did for Fulham and the plaudits he got, which he thoroughly deserved. Um, even in midfield, uh, Michael Elise is very exciting. Um, if you got a glimpse of him at championship level, um, his creative output was very good. Um, and sort of the the key for Reading being still in the top six, even when they dropped, was Elise's influence and Lucas Shaw, but I'll not mention him until we have a, a spare signing, a striker signing spot. Um, and, and Conor Gallagher as well, impressed in his cameos sort of for, for West Brom. He just needs to probably get um, a lot more of a starting berth in there. So the, the, the two ways with Palace, as we mentioned, is that they could, we remember last time they tried to change it up with Frank De Boer and don't want to get into him, but... Uh, they they were absolutely woeful, and then Roy Hodgson came in and saved them. Um, and I think this is a big tester of whether they, because if they have to go through the same thing again, Vieira can't get this team to work. They're in the relegation zone. They have to bring in an old guard to save them. Then it, it, it's it's sort of the experiment has failed twice in a row now. So where do they go? Um, but I think I think Palace due to. Teams below them in certain terms of this uh, and and on paper of there's there's probably three four teams worse than them um, that if they could just limp over the line I think they'll be able to. I thought you had them in the European places. <laughs> <laughs> it's they're on a separate word document page. That's so. there's, there's many factors <laughs> that have to sort of go their way for that to happen. And obviously, a Barry Eze, we don't know when he's going to be fit, suffering that big injury towards the end of last season. Wilfred Zaha, what's going on with him? Is he is he going to be able to turn it on again? I think that's that's going to be key as well. 
again, like Devin said, Vieira, another very left field appointment, someone promising to revolutionize their style of play, just like the board did. And that didn't work out, but this could be different. But they have the, they have the, they've got the supporters there. We know what Sellers Park can do when it's rocking, um, and it just takes like like West Ham did last season. It just takes it to click, winning games, momentum building. Um, you know the the fact that they are an unknown entity can work in their favour, and I think um, it'd be nice to see some like especially Palace, um, you know, kick on and let's see what they can do in terms of making that middle pipe competitive because, as we've said before, the top four seems to be miles away. The relegation, zone, uh, relegation battle seems to be quite interesting because you don't know who's going to perform or not. So, Harry, some of the other teams I've got written down here next to my kind of relegation battle section, we've got Burnley, we've got Brighton, we've got Newcastle. Um in terms of yeah. other teams who could get sucked in, who, who who do you see out of maybe that bunch or maybe another team? Burnley always a strange one. I, I don't want to quote Chris Eubank from whatever film this came from, but they're like they do a the bumblebee. impression as well. They, they like they're like a bumblebee. There's no reason that a bumblebee should be able to fly due to its mass and its wing size, but somehow it can. And I feel like that's <laughs> Burnley in the Premier League and the fact that they've got a championship level score with a couple good players. You know, look at Dwight McNeil, you look at Chris Woods, um, you look at Tarkovsky. But the problem is they just they they always seem to they be can't able to keep doing it, do, can they? That's the thing. So that's what you think. That's what you think about them. Yeah. They always keep doing. It. That's why. I had them in the 80s, but I've not put I've not put them there because I just know that's one of my spaces that I'm just not going to get correct whatsoever because Dice just always keeps to keep them up despite the fact that they hardly invest. They got someone from Stoke. I can't remember his name off the top Collins. of my head. Collins. 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 Yeah, Nathan Collins. I, I was going to say Nathan Collins, but I didn't want to say something silly. Damn. So I've gone for Newcastle as my 18th place team because I'm just so unimpressed with their squad overall. Yes, they've got players like St. Maximum and Almiron. But those two, they're not looks like, prone. Looks they, like they're getting Joe Willock, though. Uh, yeah, but I don't think he's going to score every game like he did last time. Probably not. Castle. I think the, the £20 million fee isn't too bad for a young English central midfielder who, who will be the, the star of their side in that midfield that at the moment looks a bit dodgy, let's say. But apart from that, I'm, I'm really not impressed. So I've put them as my 18th place, but I think they're similar to Burnley in the fact that they'll just they'll find a way to stay up. But I'm putting them in the 18th place because it has to be one of Burnley or Newcastle. They can't keep staying up for absolutely no reason. <laughs> um, we should, probably should mention that Willock signing a little bit more, Sam, and you, you've kind of introduced it into the discussion there. I have to say, I, I, I think this is a good sign of intent from, um, I don't know whether it's Mike Ashley. I'm, I'm not sure the name of the person who's in charge of transfers up there, whether it's, it's probably Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce has probably played a key role, but I have to say, I think in terms of pleasing the Newcastle fans, this is one that will really work well. Um, but I also fear slightly for Newcastle in that they're only a couple of injuries away to be in a really difficult position. How, how do you see it for them? Well, it's simple, really. They rely so heavily on... Callum Wilson and St. Maximan, like you alluded to there, if one of them goes down with an injury, one or both, then, then they're in a lot of trouble. That's why this Joe Willett pick pickup will be a big one, considering how he ended last season. It was obviously brilliant. He probably won't be able to 
replicate that this season, but we'll see. He's a very exciting, very exciting young player, and I'm surprised Arsenal have let him go, to be honest. But like you say, they're they're a team that on the attacking end they rely so much on one or two individuals that aren't always going to turn up, aren't always going to be fit. So that's where they struggle. And Steve Bruce is not one that's earned many plaudits during his time at Newcastle or other clubs, really, as a manager, to be honest. No, I think that's fair to say. Devon, we haven't quite mentioned Brighton yet. Um, and I, I'm not sure that that many people have been teeing them up with being involved down there because last year they impressed in a lot of games and I think they were the kings of XG, but not quite the kings <laughs> of goals itself, which is obviously more important than XG. Um, what do you think about Brighton? Do, you, do they still need a striker? Um. Yeah, I think Malpai um, is a decent enough player, but as we've mentioned, he, his expected output, um, he doesn't match it. He's, he falls massively under it. Um, and I think it'd be interesting to see how much the Ben White um, loss will be on their style. Um, obviously, you're playing the right side and centre-half uh, with either Dunk and... Um, Dan Byrne and, and players in that area which <clears throat> if they can replace him with a suitable player I think they'll be fine I think the 50 million can also be spent elsewhere around the pitch they're just still relatively unknown I think players like you know Pascal Gross and, and Trossard are, are players that we don't know what to fully expect from them What what is there like like you mentioned with Buendia you know what he brings you know what um these the, the players that are here in and around, you just don't know what to expect from Brighton. They've got the play style there. Graham Potter, I quite like. Um, and if he was given the freedom to be able to bring in the players that could execute his thing, uh, his sort of philosophy, I think Brighton could comfortably be mid table pushing on uh, to the Europe Europe Conference. However, it, it is for the teams we mentioned: <clears throat> Brighton, Newcastle, and Burnley. They just seem to be. Going on, if 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 you ever go to like an alligator tank or something, they'll tell you you just you've got to be as quicker than the person behind you, and they sort of are working on the style of well, as long as we're not as bad as the three teams that go down, we'll be fine, which is a dangerous mentality to have. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair point about the mentality. Um, another team we haven't mentioned at all in this podcast, I think, who I'm not suggesting will be down there, but I think. It's going to be interesting to see how they get on, particularly early on. Is yeah, Devon's signed the W on the video. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, they've of course lost Nuno Espirito Santo, as we mentioned. They've brought in Bruno Bruno Large. Is it Br- Bruno Lage? I don't know. Lager Lage. Can, can we go? We'll have to do a, a, a British thing and just go Bruno Lag. <laughs> yeah, we'll go, we'll go with that. Um, but pronounce it how you want. But he's come in. I, I don't think he's particularly experienced as a manager, although he has done it at the top level in recent years. Um, but it's it's kind of a similar situation to Palace, would you say, Harry? In that you know, no one really knows what to expect from him in terms of style. Wolves maybe didn't have the season that they wanted last year, so it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one, but I think compared to Palace, I think they start the season or sorry, start the transfer window of a better squad than what Palace did. I know Palace released 15 or whatever players, 
But yes, they've lost Patricio. But once again, is his name Aura or something like that? I'm, I'm not too sure. The guy they brought in from Olympiacos, they brought in Francisco Trincao from Barcelona, which is an interesting one. And obviously, I know it's a horrendous cliche to use, but Jimenez is like a new signing. They've they've not had him for months and months and months on ends. But their sort of demise in the Premier League was sort of coupled up with his injury. So getting him back is going to be an absolutely massive push. You know, he scored in pre-season. He's back in a Wolverhampton shirt. So yeah, I don't think they'll be fasting with relegation, but I don't think they're going to be European contender either. I think they're just going to be a sort of Crystal Palace team for the near future where they'll get anywhere between 10th and 15th and just sort of remain in the league until they either have a fantastic managerial appointment and a brilliant transfer window or have a horrendous managerial appointment and a horrendous window. And that's the only way they sort of go up or go down in the league. Devon, what's your take on Wolves? Um... Well, it's a beast that's a bit like a dog and they've got fair... Oh, you mean... Uh, the, 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 like I said, I like the Francis, uh, Francisco Trancao uh, signing. Um, and But overall, I think the squad's just... They're in a period of stagnation. They are... They sort of... They've got the players there but don't know what to do with them. And it felt like that in the last season with Nuno. Um, <laughs> just sorry. Um, and I, I think for, for a minute there, I was I was thinking he's talking about a bit. I I didn't quite get the joke until you started to smile. And I, great, great song by Kanye West. Huh? <laughs> it, it, it bought me a bit of time whilst I fought my argument, even though I've got balls written down. Um, they, like I said, they're in a period of stagnation. They, it seems like they don't know what they want to do. It's sort of the Ruben Neves link away. Wolves fans, uh, Wolves fans, sort of have been a bit. Will he go? Will he not? It doesn't seem to be any concern. Uh, every time I see some a comment about Matinho, it's like, well, how long will his legs last? Because they, they seem like he's on the verge of passing away almost from the comments. Um, and it, you just don't know what to expect because a lot of players that have come in. Sorry, it's a good job this is the end of the podcast, isn't it? Um, but there's, there's, they sort of just don't know what they want to do with it. And I think they'll have a poor season and then next season get a they'll have to get rid of a couple of players to bring some in. Yeah, it could be an interesting one for them. But Sam, you got anything to add on Wolves or any of the other teams before we wrap this up? Not necessarily that hasn't been said. I think, again, they're going to be another interesting one, another unpredictable one. Whether Jimenez will be able to recapture his form after such a long layoff. Or Neto, he sort of picked up the slack a little bit when he was gone. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting another unknown manager, like you say, that we don't know much about here in England. So be interesting to see how they go for sure. Yeah, I think I think we've touched on every single team. They're all 20. We've been speaking for well over an hour. Um, so if you've made it this far, then we really appreciate that. Um, but we will wrap it up there and we will say we hope you enjoy the opening weekend and, of course, the, the whole season itself. We, we will hopefully be here as much as we can throughout the season. Um, to talk through it and uh, see how it goes for all of those teams. Um, join the FPL League as well. Hopefully we'll have the link down there in the description and we'll, have, we'll put it up on Twitter at some point this week as well. Um, but yeah, enjoy the weekend. Thank you very much. Bye.